Hello folks, welcome to the Mindforce show. It's your host Cameron. And in today's episode we are going to talk about leadership and storytelling. My guest for today's episode is Stuart Meister, who spent 10 years of his life as an on-air reporter for BBC, ITC, Sky and ABC Australia. And then knowing all this importance of storytelling and its impact started his own storytelling and leadership company called strategic narrative he is now working with wide variety of corporations entrepreneurs and organizations to help them become better leaders also utilize the power of storytelling to maximize their impact so here you go guys I hope you will enjoy this episode and learn really cool stuff on the importance of uh, storytelling and how to utilize it in your leadership endeavors. Hello, Stuart. Welcome to the Mindforce show. Hello. Thank you very much for inviting me, Cameron. I appreciate it. So um, before digging deeper to our main topic today uh, and talk about leadership and storytelling, could you tell about yourself, uh, who is Stuart Meister and what is keeping him busy these days? <laughs> so there are two, two parts to that. So who am I? Uh, my background is as a BBC uh, national television and radio reporter. I also work with some other broadcasters in the UK and Australia, the UK ITN and Sky, and in Australia, ABC. Um, so I started life for 10 years as that, and then I spent the last 20 years working with a lot of different organizations all over the world on their storytelling in one form or another. Firstly, to get them on television, get them TV coverage, and then secondly, to do uh, content-based communications to the audiences they needed to reach. What uh, I discovered was that the skill I developed right at the start of my career of taking complexity as a journalist and making it simple and easy for an audience to understand, explaining it quickly in less than a minute, sometimes in less than 30 seconds on radio, was a skill that most organizations needed. uh, And uh, that served me well. In terms of what keeps me busy, I now lead Strategic Narrative, which is my own business. And it kind of does what it says, which is it helps organizations, individual leaders, individual teams to get the story right, to really build a narrative that people understand, whether it's their customers, their employees, their investors, uh, and that's clear that one can get behind and and sets a sense of direction and purpose. Oh, that that you have a very fascinating background, especially you are coming from media and uh, you're always kind of in this storytelling um, activities and now you are delivering this knowledge to the people who need it most like leaders and the thing is that uh, why uh, I really wanted to us to cover uh, leadership and storytelling at the same podcast or in the same talk is that uh, in my opinion like uh, storytelling is one of the most important if not the most important skill for leader that you know makes people to believe in them follow them feel something or you know share some values and uh therefore uh, we will have a very you know i'll say like very rich talks during this podcast but before that what fascinates you about about leadership why do you, why for example you are uh delivering your message and the uh, um content or trainings to leaders not like you are uh, 
other than like wider audience of everyone like through blogs or YouTube, but you are preferring to work with leaders. What's your basically, uh, what's the uh, mission behind that? Well, it's a, it's a really good question. It's interesting. Funnily enough, some of the work I'm about to do is with a much broader range of people uh, um, within a tech, within two very big technology firms to help their account teams, particularly to tell more effective stories to customers. And that's powerful. And actually, I just want to talk a little bit about leaders because uh, I define leadership more broadly than my people, than, than, may you may be suggesting for example for me uh it's really important that uh key account uh directors people in large business to business firms or businesses that have important accounts are lead those accounts they do, they demonstrate leadership to their clients they don't simply follow what their clients want that puts them in a strong position and similarly of course that goes for people who are who are leading organizations or leading change. Uh, so it's anyone that's at the front of things that need to set a sense of direction and focus and purpose. That's what interests me. So storytelling has become a really big thing. Everyone says we need better storytelling. Uh, actually, the reason I'm, I, I focus this a lot on leadership storytelling is it's this strategic narrative. It's I like talking about the big story, the big ideas that underpin, if you like, the individual stories that you tell, the case studies that people might use to illustrate a point. I'm as interested in the big narrative that unites people as I am in how the skills around telling individual stories, which, which we all have because that's how we all exist in, in, in or how humans have always existed. Uh, can you provide any maybe example for big narrative uh, and the versus small narrative or, you know, like how, how do you define them and how they are different from each other. Yeah, love to. So let me give you an example of a piece of work I did in the last uh, 18 months. I was working for a massive technology firm. In fact, it was, the, it was one of three divisions of, of, of a huge international uh, technology company. And uh, in itself, it was a big, the division would have been a very big company by anyone else's standards. The, within that division, there were a number of business units. And to be honest, some of them made sense they were together, others were just there because that was where the organization had put them, in all honesty. And the CEO said to me, look, I've got all these different businesses. They're all quite successful. Some of them are big, some of them are not so big. I need to find a way to create a narrative that connects them so that I can that I can get everyone working towards a similar vision, but also they can cross sell. They can sell each other's services more easily because they can talk to their customers with a bigger story than simply the thing that particular business unit is selling. So it has real commercial uh, um, value as well as organization and leadership value. So that's a strategic narrative, which of course we did and they were very excited about it. And it really, it, it revealed when, when I did my work and I really interviewed a lot of different people and customers within different business units and, the, and obviously the leadership of the whole uh, division, it suddenly became clear there was, I joined the dots, if you like, to create a picture that wasn't there beforehand. And that meant 
they could have a consistent story that, that connected, drove their investment, drove their cross-selling, drove their strategic selling. A smaller story, on the other hand, is a case study, an individual story that you want to tell to illustrate a big point. And I always say that a case study should always be illustrating a big narrative, not just telling a company, a client, how we can fix that problem. So typically a case study in, in technology, for example, is how we fix the problem for company X. And they had this problem, this is how we solved it, this was the outcome. That's a small story. Uh, in my view, even those stories should relate in some way to a bigger narrative so that if you looked at several of those stories, you'd see connectivity between them. You'd see the, the narrative coming out, the big narrative coming out all the time even in the individual stories that tell a client how we fixed those problems. All right. So this is like a big narrative is more about um, companies' mission outwards or maybe inwards as well. For example, if we'll take a case of, um, let's say, Facebook, where they um, communicated like we want to, we, we, are, we, want, we are making the world more connected and this is the story and they built all of their, you know, I would say values and activities around this message. The same like Google is more like uh, telling that they are making information universally accessible for everyone. Is it that, are those slogans or how to mottos can be counted as a um, starting point for big narratives? Yeah, and actually it's exactly, although in my view, those slogans or headlines as I call them, I'm a journalist, I still think like a journalist, so I want a headline. But in my view, that headline comes at the end of the process where you've developed a, a much clearer sense of the narrative, which has more okay. words, has more content to it than that. But then when you look at it, you try and think, so what are we trying to say here? And then you're trying to get to the essence. That's how I tend to work. Um, but yes, underneath those headlines, which are not about what they do, but often why they do it, Underneath that, then, there are, there's more content, there's more substance, which sets out their value proposition and the things they stand for in the market, the things they believe are true in the marketplace. And therefore, that leads to why they do what they do and how they do it, because they believe certain things to be true. Let me give you another example. I've worked in the past year with a really sophisticated, exciting, interesting uh, software as a service business, not a huge business, but is, could revolutionize the way organizations um, uh, design themselves. Oh, it's on the field of organizational design. Now, there's a whole bunch of, you could, you could write books on, how the, on the detail of what their software does and how it does it, that's not a strategic narrative. Above that are some beliefs about why you need to, uh, you need to uh, um, develop your organizational design in a way that they believe is the right way to do it. And it's to do with connecting, for example, the outcomes, the tasks with the positions rather than starting with the organization and working outwards, who does what. And it's a very sophisticated approach, which wouldn't have been true until this software came on. You couldn't have done it this way until this software came on. So, then the, so the point is they're going out there with a belief 
that you can now do something different and here's why. And then of course the detail of how you do it is well beneath that. So um, the headline, the slogan, is an outcome of a much more sophisticated piece of work that sets out the value proposition and the beliefs that the organization has. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, it totally makes sense now. Cool. Um, if we'll step back a bit and uh, talk about leaders and leadership, do you think, so based on your experience of working with I know countless numbers of people, managers or leaders, not maybe business related or just people who are leading others in a specific direction and way, do you think this uh, leadership um, attitude or character is attainable skill or it's or person should have some uh, how to say pre-built or natural um, characteristics that makes him him or her towards like lean, lean them towards the leadership such as like maybe charisma or uh, that person should be self-esteem or high confidence is there any um, any maybe characteristics you can give for a good leader and uh, if also is attainable through some trainings or just the hard work on, on, on themselves? Well, I've got two parts to my answer. The first is again to define who is a leader. So I believe that even those who are not leading the organization, but maybe leading an account or leading a project or leading change or leading a function are of course leaders. Uh, you know, you, you may be a sales guy. My view is if you're a sales guy, you should be thinking, how can I lead my clients and demonstrate my leadership to the clients or my customers? So I'm not simply following them. I'm coming out with a series of strong ideas that is going to help them and develop a narrative around that. So the first thing I would say, I would broaden the definition of leadership. But in terms of what you're really asking, which is those, if you like, at the top of an organization or a team, how are they born or are they? I think most people, and I would be one of them, would answer that by saying, of course, they're not born because there are different types of leaders. Some people can be very introverted and quiet, but be brilliant leaders. And in fact, they might be in some cases better leaders because they enable other people to come to the front and to shine. And that's how they lead. Uh, They lead by making heroes of the people they are leading. Others are very extroverted and strong and want to be, and are stars, if you like. And that's a different style. It can be just as effective. It's a different style. And they kind of run it, run forward and they, and people will follow them. Uh, So I I think there are different types of leaders. Anyone, I think anyone who is, is, has got, has got the, Willingness to develop a, a clear vision of the future for their team, for their customers, for their organization can be a leader. Hey, MindForce listeners, want to share your opinions, give feedback, or tell me what you are thinking about this podcast? Send me a voice message. Voice messages are an easy way for you to send me audio that might end up in a future episode of MindForce podcast. They are the latest feature from Anchor, the platform I use to make this podcast happen. Um, so maybe some ideas how you can you know, get in touch and what you could share with me is that maybe you have questions for me or what do you think of this episode? Just tell me, give me your feedback and I will do my best to make everything even better. 
What do you think of the topic I'm covering as a part of this podcast show? What do you think I should interview or invite to my show so you can grab as 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 much wisdom as possible from from my show? Uh, maybe you want to do some you know things together with me, make up a theme song, or uh, you have an, any offer or any partnership opportunity. Just let me know. I will see all of your messages and I might add them into a future episode. Anchor makes that part super easy. You can send me a voice message right now from. Wherever you are listening, just tap in the link in my show notes, and um, basically I will I will listen to them and we'll interact. I can't wait to hear from you. I think you touched base uh, upon very interesting topic, especially for uh, for me because I am noticing it all around all around my you know circles of friends and maybe also this is also general stereotype that leaders should be more like a extrovert uh, to be like active uh, always bringing up some initiatives and like you know t- uh, how to say that, without any uh, delay or not kind of without any emotions etc go and do do stuff while uh, people are not really talking much about introverts uh, introvert leaders do you think it is um, uh, it's because extravers leaders are mainly driving more like high risk or more visible positions, while introverts leaders are more like on the sh- on the back back front, um, supporting others to again like do stuff that uh, makes other people go go forward. Well, of course, the the truth is that most people are somewhere in between. Most people are not either totally extroverted or totally introverted. And there are other qualities that people need to bring to leadership. For example, integrity, ethics, being good at the job, maybe being organized, depending on what type of leader they are. So there are a range of qualities that you demonstrate in leadership, one of which is what is your personality, right? and uh, so that's why you can have other strengths that uh, really make you a great leader, even if your personality is not, let's say, a, a, a typical, in inverted commas, leader, strong leader personality. Um, and, and, and that would be my, my point. But when I work with teams, with organizations, or with individual, I coach individual leaders, managing directors, chief executives, whatever they are, team leaders, when I'm coaching people, what I'm really trying to get them to be in terms of their personality is authentic, to be themselves. People spot when you're not being true. They spot it, everyone does, they can smell it. If you're being true, then how you're true will vary. You might be true by making fantastic speeches in which, which are based on truth, or you might be true by the actions you take which are quietly done, but very effective. It's, the, it's being true that's the critical quality and defining what that means, what truth is, uh, helps you, I think, be true. And for people to see that you, you, when you tell a story, you believe it because you act on it. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's also... Uh, for me and uh, for listeners to the podcast, it will be also helpful to maybe 
because uh, like most people, when people are introverts in, in some sense, they are uh, maybe because of the stereotype of leader being a very active and proactive and extrovert dude, um, they are maybe not see themselves as leaders and they don't really qualify uh, them, uh, themselves with this quality of leader. But the thing that you mentioned is very uh, important to open a new horizon for extroverts as well to, you know, uh, see that, okay, you can also be a leader in what you are doing. doesn't matter what's your characteristics, just deliver quite quality and, um, and uh, work on yourself further. Uh, well, talking about... Can I just ask you, just on that, let me just ask you a question. Yeah. Sure. Who, who would you follow? For, uh, an extrovert who said great things was very charismatic, but when you saw what they did and what the company did behind them, it didn't match what they said. Or an mm -hmm. introvert who said things simply, but was effective in and thing and the world changed in the way they predicted, or the actions that were taken, the decisions that were taken, or the ones they promised. They were consistent. In other words, who would you most follow? No, absolutely. This is a. a, a for, for sure, in this case, the second one is more credible to be followed and uh, to be trusted. Because like in the first case, it's more like a telling some, some story or um, maybe it's promise or maybe it's another thing, but not delivering it. In this case, like actions matter, especially if your career is dependent on that or your decisions are dependent on that. In this case, yeah, um, I think I, I got your point. Yeah. Uh, so talking about... Uh, leaders and um, and storytelling. Why do you think leaders should really learn how to tell good stories, and uh, why it's so important for them? Well, it's absolutely critical. If I may, I'll just quote a book called *Sapiens*, which many of your listeners may have read. It was a worldwide bestseller a few years ago. Yeah, um, I also love it. It's, have you read it? Have you, have yeah, you, yeah, it's one of my my all-time favorites <laughs> yeah isn't a fantastic book isn't it the, the fundamental idea there is this what separated homo sapiens from monkeys was not genetics because genetically we're almost identical to monkeys it was that we developed the ability to tell stories and it because we somehow developed this ability to tell stories it enabled us to store knowledge to have a sense of the past and the future, to begin to trade because we could describe to other people what we could do for them or describe what we were trying to eventually describe what we were selling to them. We could paint it, we could agree to take actions as a group. And in fact, he says that the whole of human history everywhere in the world is the, is the history of simple stories mobilizing millions of people. Every organization, small company, big company, medium-sized company, is actually only a story, a fiction, around which people agree and therefore take action and then work for them and they win the money and they spend money and they, they therefore build a building on the back of it. If you look underneath it all, it's all a story that someone created at the beginning, your own business. You created a story and then you acted on that story. You persuaded other people the story was true and therefore they acted on the basis of that story and so on and you began to trade and commerce happened and, and you know, all, everything else followed. 
So if you buy into that, the story is the fundamental building block of leadership. Because if you haven't got a clear narrative that people believe and understand and can act upon and buy into, then where are you leading them? Where, is, where are they going? There is no narrative. It's just a series of actions. So organizations that are just a collection of stuff, a collection of sales and buildings and stuff with no connecting story, uh, fail. So even a small organization, some of your listeners may be running a small organization, a technology. Let's say you've come up with some brilliant technology and it really is clever and you start raising some money. So the first thing that people raise money is they want a story of who is going to benefit, what the story of the future is. They, you, need to, you need to tell them a story that they buy into in order to lend you money. The technology, particularly nowadays, doesn't really exist except in, you know, in programs in a computer. It doesn't exist anywhere. So it's the fundamental building block of leadership around which people will follow. That's how important it is. Yeah, uh, absolutely. As a person who worked with thousands of entrepreneurs who was you know, trying to develop their startups and raise money from investors, like especially in the early stage where with the prototype, etc., everything is almost everything is about uh, stories. So people, they come, go to investors and they sell the story they believe and the, how, the, how their uh, company will, you know, become in the success in the future, how it will help people, how it will benefit investors. So in, in this sense, uh, almost everything that we are experiencing around are fundamentally stories. Like in this, even the book, Sapiens, that um, Yuval Korari is telling that even the money is a story where everyone is uh, agree and therefore we are basically using it as a currency. Uh, speaking of which, what is a good story? What make a story really uh, catchy or what make, makes it stick? Yeah. Well, uh, particularly when I'm working with organizations on a strategic narrative, what, the, first, the starting point is actually who it's for. Because it's really important that we have a context for our story. We're not just telling in a vacuum. So, and, and this is actually an interesting exercise because often people have a very general view of who the story is for. So they say, my customers, okay, who are your customers? They're medium-sized businesses in the MENA region. Okay, let's be more specific. Which type of medium-sized? Who are the buyers in those businesses? What do they do? What are the businesses? What, what are your, what businesses mostly buy from you? What's the sweet spot? What's the, the bullseye for you? And you, you, you know, these kinds of questions lead to a very sharp sense of who it's for. And I learned this as a journalist that, you know, you think that a journalist tells a story in some kind of objective way. No, it depends on which program he or she is on, the audience they're, they're listening to it, as to how he or she tells that story, whether it's a very heavyweight business program or it's a very light, popular radio show. It's told, the same facts are told in a very different way depending on the kind of audience that's listening and who, the context. Same applies. So who? Really thinking of the audience. Then, in terms of the story, I ask two key questions. Why and how? 
So if we're going to develop, for example, a narrative around your business, I ask two, why are the people we've identified as being those we're going to serve, why do they care? What's going on for them that means they should care about this story? And then the second part of why is the Simon Sinek kind of why, which is your purpose. Why are you doing this? What's your purpose, your, the burning fire in you as an individual or as an organization that, is, that means you're, is the why you're doing this? And the other question is how? How are we solving this problem in the world? How? Not what, not what is it? Don't tell me about the software for the moment or the technology, or if you're, you know, if, if you're a professional service, and we've done quite a lot with professional service firms like lawyers and accountants, and, um, you know, and what they do is uninteresting to their audience because everyone else does the same stuff. How they do it is interesting, and they'll all do it differently. So those for me are the components, the, the questions, the kind of questions you ask in order to develop a story. Um, and then of course, what comes out of that then leads to uh, what, you, what you develop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when you tell a good story, I think uh, also to master this storytelling, right? Do you think it's also uh, quite useful as, a, as, as, as an example of one of the possible exercises to notice and uh, to, to notice some stories going on around and uh, better understand them or is there any tricks to uh, keep mind open for uh, noticing good stories and also maybe producing ones besides these uh, questions to ask about who is it for and why and how uh, you are going to you know deliver it yeah the, it, it, again it's a good journalistic approach that I have, which is to think of a hook. Uh, now, for those that may have English as a second language and might understand that, it's the it, news is, is written or broadcast in a way where they're trying to create a really simple way to get your attention with a hook, the top line of the story, if you like, that then leads you to want to hear or read much more about that story. I call it the news pyramid with a small amount of information top leading to much more information. So uh, the, the, the trick, if you like, is to think of the hook for the people you're trying to speak with. Example, if you're leading a, a change program within an organization, and we know exactly who the people are that need to get this story of change, can we think of an individual story, perhaps a, a, an example of what's going wrong and why it needs to change that leads us into the bigger narrative of what the change is and why we're doing it and how we're doing it and all of that. So something that's gonna get people saying, that's why so many reports on television start with an individual story that tells the bigger story. And that's a very good way to do it. So the hook may be telling an individual, an individual story. So you know, if you're talking about a customer, it might be, look, you know, we, we had a customer who had this problem, just like you. This is what they were doing, just like you. Here's how we solved it, and this is the result. Now, okay, that's classic case study sales, but what this tells you about the way we approach these kinds of challenges is this. What we believe is happening in the wider world that means that you need to do this is this. 
what we you know the way in which you have to go around this from your point of view is that you know there's a series of bigger beliefs or themes that you weave into it but you the hook might be someone like you we solve the problem for someone like you or the hook might be something else it might be you know in the uk right now a big hook for example is brexit you know there's a there's a there's a crisis in our system we don't know. Uncertainty is the key here right now. How are you dealing with uncertainties? That's my hook into people maybe who are trying to avoid risk. Do you see what I mean? So hook and then put some core, some bigger ideas behind that, that that track back to you and how you do what you do best. best. Similarly, sorry to make this a long answer, Cameron, but it's a pretty big question. If I was training people to, give, to do public speaking, to do a to do to have impact in the way they present or communicate, I'd say the same thing. We want to just start with who are these people I'm talking with, and what's going to really wake them up and get them thinking, so that I can then take them on the journey back to the stuff I want to talk about. Same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so it's like maybe in an individual uh, approach, uh, you just better. Uh, you have to better understand what concerns that uh, the, con the person that uh, who is you are talking to, and uh, kind of how to mention that or approach your story from that perspective. And for sure, it should be somehow uh, related, right? Otherwise, it will not have that um, enormous meaning and impact. Um, so what can you give some of the some some examples of the great storytelling maybe uh you developed or you noticed somewhere around the internet or during your career uh what what would would it be like what story you would count it as a like one of the best examples that everyone should get familiar with yeah sure so i'll give you uh, a, a a couple that i and uh, you know well, not my work, just to give you a sense of what it is now. Obviously, I'll, I'll, if you like, tell you a couple of things that I've worked on that I think is really Yeah, accurate. sure. So one of those that I love talking about as an example of what we're, what we're discussing here is salesforce.com. I'm sure everyone's aware of salesforce.com. Yeah, it's yeah. a huge system. Oh, it's much more than that now. But when Salesforce really got going, when no one really knew what Salesforce was and Everyone was using Microsoft Dynamics, I guess, at the time, including my own business. Um, Salesforce obviously were coming along. And when they looked at what was the how they were doing what they did rather than what they did, they had a CRM system that did a lot of the same things as many other CRM systems. How they were doing it, though, was fundamentally different, which was it was on the cloud. It was software as a service. Now, at the time, what was the cloud? What is the cloud? The cloud was this new idea that was literally floating in the distance. And um, it, no, no one was really quite clear on it. So what they did was they did, uh, they did a number of videos. They used video marketing very effectively. But the, one of the key pieces of video they did was what is the cloud? Because one of the themes, one of the things they stood for in marketplace was not just about CRM, but was about this move to the cloud. You're going to move a lot of your software. It's the end of software. I don't know if any of your listeners remember their logo at the time. It was just killed software. It was like a Ghostbusters logo with a, instead of a ghost in the middle, it was like software and with a line through it. 
So they weren't talking about CRM. They weren't talking about customer relationship management. They were talking about the end of software. They were talking about this thing called the cloud. That's what they were talking about because that's a hook for anyone working in, because it's a big strategic challenge. What I've heard about this thing, I don't quite know what it is. And they had this video which just explained the cloud that had, and YouTube was just beginning. So they had millions of views of this. Because anyone, and I had this happen to me. Someone said, I said, the cloud, I think I know what the cloud is. I'm not quite sure. Someone said, you should watch this video, it explains it all. And guess what? It was a Salesforce video. And so they came out, talked about an issue that was not to do with them, uh, but really tracked back to them. And that was a platform in which they could then talk about CRM in the cloud. As an example of migrating to the cloud, then it all makes sense, right? That's a great story, I view. Another great one, I think, is TomTom. So TomTom is a, a navigational system. And I, I wrote a blog on this, which got a lot of traction, actually, because I was watching um, CNN one day on holiday, and they had an interview with the chief executive of TomTom, who did not talk about navigational systems. He talked about the problem of congestion in cities. And they come up with some research around congestion. Because obviously what they realized was that, that people use TomTom in order to deal with congestion. And I think he was talking about the, the other big issue for them was, uh, was getting was, um, a sense of place, you know. And so they, they, they come up with these two themes that were not talking about their product at all but were really interesting to anyone listening who ever drives a car uh, because congestion is a big issue and how do you familiarize yourself in a place you've never been to before and all of that. So they come up with a lot of research around this stuff. And of course, when you see who they are and people know who TomTom is, it's a navigational system that helps you tackle congestion among other things. So I like that as a, as a now in my own work, I've got lots of examples like that. One that's not quite like that, but it's slightly left field is, yeah, I, well, actually it's been like that. I, I was working with a very large law firm and we were talking about what they stood for. And we really, you know, when they, if you talk, like, look at what they said about themselves, it's sounded exactly the same as every other law firm because they fundamentally offer high level, top quality legal services globally. When we dug deeply into how they did it, what was really interesting was that one of the big differences between them and the other guys offering the same services was the way they paid their partners was different. And it meant that the part, instead of having a star system of partners, they had a much more collective approach because the profits were shared much more, uh, spread much more widely. So I said, that's really different. That means if I work with one of your partners, I genuinely get the whole firm working with me because there's no reason why he or she would not share me with other partners and share my problem with other people. Whereas in other firms, they try and keep you to themselves because you're part of their profit and loss. He says, absolutely. And he, he, they quoted lots of examples to me. I said, that's a brilliant story to tell that tells me what's about you. So those are some examples that I like. Yeah, I think I noticed a similar patterns across a couple of brands. Maybe uh, one of the biggest uh, 
uh, examples maybe I can bring onto the table is that like let's let's say, talk about maybe Nike, right? They're this um, sneakers company, like a shoe shoe company, but they telling the stories of like being athletic, like they're almost they they almost never do this aggressive marketing. Like buy our shoes, they're cool, they're great. Uh, rather than that, they they show someone who is quite active, achieving their dreams, etc. And in this sense, like maybe they are not demonstrating any problem, but they are selling the idea of being more healthy and athletic. And also, like time to, as time passes and more and more people see the uh, you know Nike shoe with these athletes, they relate to that brand uh, in the sense of sport, etc. The same maybe can go with Apple. Uh, they, their advertisements are always showing artistic people doing like maybe crazy things, um, you know, like giving freedom to their fantasies and etc. And they're using iPad or Mac or iPhone. And that's how they deliver this idea, the message, uh, not by you know telling what they do, but showing how they help you to, you know, achieve this level of uh, freedom or artisticity or maybe that level of athletic, uh, being athletic and uh, being healthy. I think um, maybe this is a very, do you think this, this type of advertisement is uh, much more effective or like storytelling much more effective than just like traditional one, just you know, come and buy our phone, that's cool, etc. And if yes, I uh, can we elaborate on this more? Because they don't call for action, but rather this kind of they're creating brand that maybe pays off. But um, is it also relevant for smaller brands or maybe startups or SMEs that are just starting? I'm glad you asked that question because I wanted to do exactly that. Because whenever anyone talks about this stuff, they always quote the really mega companies, Nike, Apple. Uh, then they talk about inevitably Uber, Airbnb, uh, you know, and, and if you're running a business which has got 10 people, you think, well, what has this got to do with me? Because I'm not going to buy big adverts like that. I'm just not going to do it. It's absolutely relevant because what's the, the key question that they're answering is, what is it that people are buying, not what are we selling? I just want to say that again. What are people buying, not what are we selling? Let me give you an example. If you are a dentist, you're a small company, you might have 10 employees, and you're a dentist. If you were to describe what you're selling, you're selling uh, a skilled dental uh, um, activities. You've got, if you were to talk about the sharpness of your, of your tools, the quality of the drills that you use, in other words, you went into the detail of what you do, then that's not what people are buying. That is actually the components of what you're selling, but that's not what, what are you buying when you go to the dentist? You're buying fresh breath, insurance against your teeth hurting in the future, fixing pain if you're in pain, um, making sure that you look nice, clean, you know, nice, bright smile. That's what you're buying. And how they deliver that uh, is, a lot of the detail in a dentist, you don't even want to know. It's, it's what I say is under the bonnet of the car. When you buy the car, most of us don't really care what's under the bonnet. We just look at the fantastic car and the features. So it's the same thing. So Nike is selling 
they don't are selling an, obviously an experience, a, a, a sense of tribe, a sense of uh, personality. Who I am. The same could apply if you're selling. If you've got, let's say, you're selling a piece of software, or you're selling IT services. Let's say you're selling IT services. To being clear who you sell to means you're clear what they're buying. If, for example, you're selling your IT services to largely to other small businesses in a particular geography, for example, what do they want? Obviously, one of the things they want is just nothing to go wrong. That's really what they want. It's one of the things they want. But they also want to maybe deliver big company type services to their customers, even though they're a small company. There'll be a series of things like that that you can talk about in your story that then lead to, in order to do this, okay, we've got this great response time, and we've got these top level people, and we've got this and we've got that. But really the story starts with the things that you as a company are buying, that you want to buy, what's going to drive your decision. Yeah, absolutely right. This it's more like related to experiences and how uh, your prospect uh, can benefit himself or herself with your services. That's that's a great. Well, it might, just just on that, it's not just experiences, although of course they're very important. It might be in some businesses, particularly business to business, a real specific outcome that people are getting, which doesn't describe what you do, but it's really about what happens as a result of what you do. Yeah, right. Yeah, that, that's great. Yeah, I, I totally uh, agree on this. Um, Stuart, for the people out there who are listening to this podcast and uh, who wants to develop their uh, storytelling skills or maybe work on their leadership uh, sides of their personality or character, what would you? What would be your recommendations and advice to listeners? Like what they should do? Is there any cool books to read or any uh, things to consider or like general? What would you recommend um, to people who want to develop these qualities further? Yeah, I'll give you a few tips on what they can do, and then, and then one of the things that uh, on my website strategic-narrative.com, there's quite a lot of resource there in terms of videos and articles and talk about this stuff so hopefully that's helpful or they can look me up on linkedin and uh, there's a lot of stuff there too but in terms of just takeaways number one be authentic if it's about personal storytelling or your business storytelling be authentic find really be clear on the truths that lie at the center of your story think about the people you're engaging with in the context of your story because you're not telling this story in a vacuum here's a story i've come up with that's brilliant i've got this fantastic story it's really about who do i need this story to land with what do they care about and then uh, that helps me develop my story have a hook have a front a headline or a and a key individual story at the beginning that gets people's attention, whether it's a case study, a story about yourself, it might, if you're a leader, of course, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of political leaders do this. They start with a story about themselves, their own experience, what drove them, what motivated them. That might be the most powerful way to engage with people. Um, and, uh, but it might be something completely different, something going on in the world that is the hook that gets their attention. Um, and then, I, 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 as I said, I, I talk about the news pyramid. 
so that you've got a hook at the beginning, as something that's grabbed the attention of people you're trying to reach. Then have behind that a 100, 150 word story around this thing. If you like the elevator pitch or, uh, 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 you know, where you two or three or four sentences that you can say that kind of builds, tells people most of what they need to know. And then beneath that is the detail. Never start with the detail. Take people on a journey where they get into some of the detail when you've hooked them, when you've given them the big picture, and then when you then they can get into the detail with you. And that goes for whether you're talking to them, whether you're doing advertising, whether you're writing an article, whatever it is. That's the kind of that pyramid, that news pyramid works time and time again. Fantastic. Yeah, I think this basic framework is a worth of um i'd say exercising and um uh, trying out because there, there is really huge need in better storytellers in our world and uh and as you develop the story you get you know more connected more uh i'd say that um you basically everything gets easier to you as you become a better storyteller and uh, develop your leadership aspects. So Stuart, uh, I think that's it for today. For the, for if someone wants to get in touch with you and uh, maybe ask a couple of questions or learn more about your uh, services, your company, how they can find you on the internet? Yeah, so obviously I'm on LinkedIn and people will see my name on this podcast. Um, also, my website is strategic-narrative.com, and there's stuff there and contact details there. Um, the other thing I just want to mention is, as well as consulting with organizations or with uh, teams or with account teams, I offer individual coaching of leaders or individuals. And the other thing I do quite a lot is facilitate events, conferences, workshops, round tables. Uh, I've done a couple of those in, in the Middle East recently, actually, which were very successful. And when I'm doing that too, I like to build a narrative around the event so that there's, people come away with a sense of the story of the issues that are under discussion, how they all connect together. I like to try and join the dots. So that's how they can contact me. Perfect. So, uh, so thank you very much for joining uh, MindForce Podcast, joining me to share all of your wisdom with, with me, with my listeners. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Cameron, thank you so much indeed for inviting me and I hope it's been helpful. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of MindForce Podcast. To follow it and to be notified about new episodes and upcoming ones, feel free to subscribe to it through Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. So I'm publishing mainly on these two platforms. And if you want to get in touch, just drop me a message, drop me an email at hello at mindforce.blog. Repeating once again, hello at mindforce.blog. I would be more than happy to hear from you and get your feedback. Maybe we can collaborate. Thank you.